Good morning. Anybody excited this morning? All right. Sakawoi broke. All right. I'm going to ask you to do one thing before we begin. Can we just stand for a second? And I just want you to stand for a moment and let's, for, for, for this moment, let's just be totally, totally still. Let's not say a word. Let's not look at a phone. Let's not talk to somebody. Let's not take a walk. Let's not go to the bathroom. Can we just reverence real quick the reading of God's word? Psalm 16. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessings. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What an inheritance. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Amen? In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Here's the, the quote this morning. When, when God's people begin to praise and worship him, the power of his presence comes among his people in a greater measure. But here's the key to this, though. As worship begins in holy expectancy, it should end in holy obedience. Amen? In His presence, there's fullness of joy. What, what's the most important thing in ministry, church? The presence of God. 
Without it, without it, this is a show. Without it, this is a meeting. I, I've been to Amway meetings that do the same thing like this. Anybody been to the pyramid, multi-level marketing, all that kind of stuff? You know, when you broke as a joke, you're always trying to find a way to make a dollar or to be a millionaire. And if you're selling that, I ain't mad at you. It just, you know, didn't work for me, so don't. But, but I'm saying, I, I've been to those things, and it's the same thing. There's music, and then there's testimony, and then there's people crying, and then there's a, a, a charismatic leader that gets up and, and motivates everyone. And then there's even an altar call, isn't there? It's crazy. So the unbelievers could do exactly what we're doing here. What makes a difference? The presence of God. The, without the presence of God, it, it, it's nonsense. See, in, in, the, in, the, in the power of His presence is what makes the difference. When, when the three Hebrew boys, he, Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego, when they were thrown into the fire, right? And, and it says that the fires were, were brought up so much that the people that threw them in, they got burnt. So, but, but, but it says that when, the, when they were in the fire, that even the non-believers saw in the fire another presence. And in the presence of God, there was protection. Amen? I, I mean, how about in, in, in when, 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 when the disciples were out in a boat fishing all night and they hadn't caught anything, and this is before they were believers, and Jesus tells them, take the nets and throw them on the other side. And they're like, come on, we're professional fishermen. We know more than a carpenter how to fish. But, but they took the nets and they threw them on the other side. And it says that they didn't have enough boat for the fish that they caught. What made the difference? The, the presence of God. When Paul and Silas, they were, they were thrown in jail. And it says around midnight they started worshiping. And then the presence filled that jail and the walls shook and the shackles fell off and the doors opened because in the presence of God, there's, there's freedom. Amen? See, I, I wanted so bad to talk to you today about the power of His presence. But the text that we're up to doesn't talk about that. It, it focuses more on how sometimes it's easy to look past the presence. It focuses more on how sometimes it's easy to go beyond the presence, to go to disregard the presence, to move on anyway. So let me talk to you today about when we go past the presence. Has anybody ever done that? Good. So you just listen to my experience then. We're at chapter 10 in 1 Corinthians. We've been studying 1 Corinthians since last, since the end of last year and, and Pastor Gary picked it up again last week and today we're gonna keep moving on through this study of the word in, in 1 Corinthians and we're up to chapter 10. So turn your Bibles and you should be bringing them. I could like wild out one day and just start making stuff up. So you should be checking and making sure that that's in there. Amen. You should be, should be reading along with us. All right. So in chapter 10, starting in verse 1, Paul, he starts with a warning. And, and let me give you a little background. Remember the Corinthian Christians, they were asking Paul about eating the meat that was sold at pagan temples, right? And we, we spoke about this at the end last year. And, and they were saying, well, since, since this meat is offered up to idols and those gods are false gods anyway, what's the big deal? We could eat the meat, can't we? Like the, the God doesn't exist anyway. And so Paul agreed with him in the past. He goes, yeah, who cares? That's stupid anyway. There's nothing to that God. So if they offered that meat to that God, you can take it and eat it anyway because there is no God but our God. Amen? But 
The problem is that these temples also started having restaurants and they, they started having feasts and they started having, you know, banquets and dedications in honor of these false gods. And so the Corinthian Christians thought, well, we have so much knowledge, you know, because we're saved, we're free, right? And it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So we can do anything we want. So we can go to these, to these feasts and we can eat for free. Amen? I mean, you know, Christians are always looking for a bargain. This was part of the issue. This meat was cheaper. So, so they're like, why can't we eat at these feasts? You know, and, and, you know, they, they were thinking, well, we're Christians anyway, so we're safe. We're Christians, so it doesn't matter. We're Christians, so we're, we're free. We've been baptized, so we've been set apart. We're free. So Paul is about to explain to them and to us the difference between just eating the meat sacrificed to idols, because it means nothing, and having fellowship with darkness. Come on, lean in. This is going to get good. He's talking the difference between just eating meat that was dedicated or, or being in the presence of and sitting at the table of demons. Let me, let me explain to you. See, the word says God inhabits the praises of his people, right? How many of you feel that when you worship? How many of you feel that when you throw on a worship CD in the car or, or in your house and you're stressed out and you play some worship music and all of a sudden things start to change and some people tell you, oh, that's emotions. Well, your emotions are part of it. Amen? But there's, God says he inhabits the praises of his people. So let me ask you this, though. What happens when other gods are worshipped? Who inhabits that? Whether that God is real or not. They, see, the enemy has always been a copycat since day one. Amen? He's never had an original idea except to rebel against God. That was his first and only idea. After that, everything has been a copycat. So he mimics everything God does in his little cockroach-sized way. Because the enemy can't be anywhere. He can only be one place. Right? Like the little roach that he is. But, but he'll copy everything that the enemy, that God does. And so, so when, when another God is being worshipped, even if that God doesn't exist, you can bet that there is a demonic presence there. See, the, the word says, and we'll read later on, that when we break bread with people, though we are many, we become as one. There's a unity, there's a oneness when, when we have fellowship. Church, can I tell you something? It matters who you fellowship with. I'm going to get in your business right now. It matters who you fellowship with. There are some places, family, that we don't belong in. Amen? There are some tables that we shouldn't be sitting at. And I'm going to just leave that there and let the wise discern. But let me give you a quick example, though. <laughs> I'm going to leave it alone, but I'm going to pick it back up for a minute. <laughs> it seems that Hollywood can't make any more big hits without making them about the devil. Have you noticed that? Like, vampires aren't enough, because now vampires are soft, pale, and romantic. Don't get me started on that one. So, so now it's got to go past that. Now it's got to be paranormal activity. Now it's got to be the, the spirit. Hollywood has figured out, let's cut the demons and cut the middleman. Let's go right to the devil. Amen? So the latest movie, what is it? The Devil Inside. How many of you seen that, that ad? 
Church, there are some places that you don't belong. Can I just be honest? I'm not being legalistic. I'm not being, oh, you need to. There are some places you do not belong. You shouldn't be in. I tell those that I talk to, don't go see that movie and then come get in the prayer line here because you're scared and you can't sleep. God did not give you a spirit of fear. You bought one for $11. And then you sat there eating popcorn and you let that thing run all over you. So you're a big boy now. You can go to the movies and watch. So you're a big boy. You pick the fight. You fight it. Amen? Don't waste my prayer team's time coming here because they don't have time for that. We got time. We want to pray with people that really want to move forward, that really want the presence of God, that really want to make a difference, not that want to, you know, praise, pray, praise, and then have intercourse later with the devil during the week, and then praise, praise, praise on Sunday. This We're wasting time, church. Amen? Aye! See, our, our, our terminology is wrong. We, we talk about those movies and we say those movies scare the hell out of you. No, they scare the hell into you. So Paul tells them and what I'm telling you today, I won't have you ignorant, my brothers. Starting in 10, chapter 1, I mean chapter 10, verse 1, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea, and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. What, what's Paul talking about? I'm glad you asked. Because sometimes you guys fake it like you know. Oh, obviously he's talking about the uh, eschatology of the... You don't know. It's, it's all right. It's okay to not know. Amen? That's why we come. So, so what's Paul talking about? He's reminding some and he's teaching others about the spiritual heritage that we have, about our Jewish history. It's so important that we understand our Jewish history. Amen? So what ha- happened was when, when God delivered the people from slavery in Egypt... And, and Moses, you know, led them toward the promised land. And it was amazing because when, when Moses led them out of captivity, it says that God, the presence of God was with them and he was a cloud by day and a fire by night. <sighs> Can you imagine the presence of God being so with you that he was a cloud over them? And so when the cloud moved, you knew it was time to move. And when the fire stopped, you knew it was time to stop. How many pray for that kind of relationship with God? Amen. And so, so, so that's what was going on. And it, it, it's an awesome picture of the will of God and of the Holy Spirit for us today, how, how he leads and how he guides us. But, but see, you and I can choose to be in the will of God and we can stay under that cloud and we can stay under that fire and we can say, God, when you move, I move. Just like that. When you move, I move. Just like that. Or we can, we can move right ahead of the presence of God. We can, we can go on forward and we can do our own things and we can live, we can live in the will of God or we can go past His presence is what I'm trying to say today. And do our own thing. And so, so Paul says, remember, our fathers were all under that cloud. Verse 3, and they all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink. And, but verse 5, it says, but nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. 
For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Another version says they were defeated by temptation during the hard times. What's Paul talking about? What, what happened to these people that God was leading them with his very presence? In order to understand that, we need to take a little trip back to the Old Testament. So let's go there. It's in the book of Exodus. And we can read that these people, they experienced the presence of God in such a real, tangible way. See, as the plagues from God, you know, first they were in captivity to the Pharaoh, and Moses went to set them free, and, and Pharaoh said, no, you're not going. And so they experienced plague after plague after plague of God's judgment on Pharaoh, until finally Pharaoh said, please take these people and get them out of here, because God's never going to leave me alone. So they experienced the power and the presence of God, right? And, and they saw how even after Pharaoh, you know, God, Pharaoh got so scared he let him go. They saw that even after he let him go, then he mounted up chariots and, and warriors and soldiers and went after them to chase them. And he saw and they, they experienced how at one point they were surrounded. They, they, had, they couldn't go this way. They couldn't go that way. And behind them was just the sea. And Pharaoh's army was coming to kill them. And these were not soldiers. These were men, women, children, the families. And, and they said, we have no place to go. But what happened? God said, he spoke to the waters and the waters opened up. And they were able to walk in between the water to get to the other side. Can you imagine having experienced that? See, God made a way where there was none. God allowed them to go through the water. It's a beautiful picture of baptism. But, but God allowed them to go. Listen, today you, you might find yourself between a rock and a hard place. I know I'm talking to a couple of you today. But you see, when we go past his presence, we're saying we can work this out. When we go past the presence, we're saying we'll, we'll find a way. Listen, good luck with that, family. But when we stay in his presence, when we stay right where God has us, we're saying, God, you have to work this out. God, you have to find a way out of this. Amen? And, and, and what we have to understand today is that the same way the water had to, had to respond to God back then, the hard place that you're in today has to still respond to God now. Amen? It doesn't have a choice. So, so the same way that water had to answer to God, the hard places that you're in have to answer to God. So sometimes, God, a family, we just need to stop and say, God, when you move, I move. Just like that. And so they also experienced that when God opened those waters and they passed safely through, but then when the enemy tried it, the enemy went through the same thing that God had opened. And what happened? The water came down and killed all the enemies of God. Family, listen, we are all going to experience the presence of God. We can choose to experience it as a friend or we can experience it as an enemy, but we will all experience the presence of God. So these people, God was leading them out of Egypt and toward the promised land. And, and while they remained in the presence of God, they, they also saw how two million people were able to be fed every day. God supplied manna from heaven. 
Remember, they, they hadn't planted, they hadn't grown anything, there was no farms, they were just escaping, right? There's no possible way they could have escaped with all this food to feed all these people. So God supplied this, this like croissant, it's a flaky bread. So God dropped croissants from heaven every day. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine, God, I'm hungry. Oh, snap. God supplied manna from, and even that was a test. God told him, only take what you need for today. Only take what you need for today. I'm, I, I supply your needs. Only take what you need for today. But you know, there were some ghetto Christians up in, in right? And, and, and they had that ghetto mentality. They said, nah, man, I'm going to take everything I can take. And, and if it's free, it's for me, right? That, that's right. And, and so what happened? They stored and they stored and they stored. And the next morning, croissants were rotten with maggots. God said, no, you need to trust me for today. When you, listen church, can, can, I, can I hit you with something? Sometimes God will provide just enough what you need for right now. I, I know that's not good preaching. <laughs> I know you want me to focus on the other where it says, the, God provides abundantly and, and, and more than you can ever ask or imagine. And we love the abundant provision of God. And I can tell you, I can testify to that. that sometimes God will give us more than we can imagine. Amen. I've been in the abundance, it's awesome, but I've also been at the place where I needed a nickel and God gave me a nickel. He didn't throw me a quarter. <laughs> he didn't drop a dollar on me. He gave me a nickel. And I was like, wow, that's exactly what I needed, but, right? <laughs> but, but come on, papi, you know? <laughs> you got more nickels than that, you know? Anybody been there? Drop a brother a dollar or something. But sometimes, and, and God, and, and what's, what's good is that later on, later on, we look back at that time when we realize, we say, thank you, God, for only giving me that nickel. Because you know what? I wasn't ready for the dollar back then. I still needed to believe you for the nickel. I wasn't ready for the dollar. You had thrown $20 at me back then. You would have messed me up. These people, they saw this, they lived this. They also saw how when they were thirsty, these people would grumble and complain. Can you imagine? God, there's a cloud of, by day and a fire by night and, and croissants falling from heaven. And, and now they're complaining. They say, oh, would you bring us out here to die of thirst? And so God provided water from a rock. That, would that not trip you out right there? Like God provide water from the speaker. You know how much water you have to provide for two million people and animals and whatever? So God provided water from a rock during this whole time. But, but, but watch this. We read that at one point Moses went up to the mountain to be with God. And God detained him there. And God spoke with him for 40 days. And so the people were waiting for 40 days. How many of you love waiting? Whoa, right? The body of Christ is so good at waiting, aren't we? So, so they, they have by this point experienced the presence of God firsthand, right? Like tangible. This is croissants from God's bakery I'm eating every day. Oh my God. 
Right? That wouldn't trip. I mean, I can't get past that sometimes. But now they're waiting. And now it's been 40 days. And so Moses left Aaron as the leader in charge. Watch this. There's a valuable lesson here for leaders. Listen and look for it. We go to Exodus 32. Verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered for themselves together to Aaron. And they said to him, the leader, the man of God, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of this guy. And so if you read there in Exodus 32, what does this godly leader say to them? He says, are you crazy? Repent. Turn. This God is good. He's the... No. Look what he says. Verse 2. So Aaron said to them, okay, take off your rings of gold. Take off all your earrings. Take all the earrings off your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. And so all the people took off their rings of gold that were in their ears and they brought them to Aaron. And Aaron received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with a graving tool and he made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods of Israel who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. See, church, when we don't want to wait, when we don't want to be obedient, we make gods out of what we treasure. Come on, don't look at me like I'm stupid. I know none of you have ever taken your gold to a place and and made a golden calf and worshipped it. But flip that into today's context. We, we we, We make our own gods out of what we treasure. Ghetto thinking leads us turning to ghetto gods. Leadership, side note. This is what happens when leaders want to please people rather than lead people. Leaders hold on to that. Verse 5. It ends with this. It says, and the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Can you imagine what that play means there? There was... All kinds of sexual immorality, all kinds of drunken orgies, all kinds of things around this ghetto God of earrings. God delays 40 days and they make a God out of earrings. Family, how do we handle God's delays? It took them just over a month. How long does it take us? How long do we wait Before we start looking at our own resources, before we make something happen for ourselves, how long does it take us to get ghetto on God? Paul is telling the Corinthian Christians and, and telling us today, be careful, fam. Chapter 10, 1 Corinthians, verse 6. Now, these things occurred. He's talking about everything we just talked about. These things occurred as examples to keep us, them Corinthians and us, the church in the city, to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Verse 7, do not be idolaters as some of them were. And it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and they got up to indulge in pagan revelry. Verse 8, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. 
Maybe next week we'll get into, we'll finish that chapter in Exodus so you can find out what happened to these people because it's crazy. Verse 9, we should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. Verse 10, and do not grumble as some of them did and they were killed by the destroying angel. Church, he's describing all of the things that happened to these people of God of Israel when they chose to look past the presence. Verse 11 says, these things happened to them as examples, and they were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So, verse 12, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Family, what really speaks to me in this passage before we, you know, before even moving on to the present people that Paul is speaking to is when he describes the early Christians. And he says they were all under the same cloud. They all passed through the same sea. They all had the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. And they all experienced the presence of God. But somehow they chose to go past the presence. And in case you didn't know, out of all of them, only two men from the adult generation, Joshua and Caleb, actually made it to the promised land. Two. Two million people, two men, actually made it to the promised land, which God intended for all of them. What happened? They ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years until the adult generation died off so that God could bring their new generation into the promised land. Think about that. Those who couldn't wait for 40 days had to wander for 40 years. Does that say something about, oh, let the wise discern, amen? See, when we look past his presence, we go past his provision. We go past his providence. We go past his, his purpose. And, and I believe this entire passage and this reference is an incredible picture of the gospel. See, God delivers his people from Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world, of its systems, of sin and its slavery. Egypt is a picture of our old way of doing things. God delivers his people from Egypt. God leads us toward the promised land. That's a, that's a picture of his purposes for us. It's a picture of heaven. It's a picture of his eternal presence that he intended for us. And that, that promise is this. Jesus says, in my father's house are many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. And then Jesus is our Moses. You know, he's our deliverer. He's taking us from the chains of slavery and sin and leading us into righteousness towards the promised land, right? All of these people were blessed. All of these people had the same spiritual experience, but still most of them perished. We pray sometimes, I know, you know, I, I have God, and if we, we, we say, God, I know that, you know, if you do this one thing for me, I'll know that you're God. Anybody ever prayed that? And this is after you've seen, you've been hit on the head with so many spiritual croissants that, come on, right? Can we be honest? How many of us have been hit on the head with spiritual croissants? You know what that means? I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, we've had a picture of of the presence of God in our lives. We have proof. Like we wish we kept the croissant in our bag so we could just take it out 
every day, oh man, I remember how hungry I was when you gave me this. I remember how sad I was. I remember how depressed I was when you dropped this on me. I remember how, how alone I felt when you hit me in the head with this thing. I remember how thirsty I was, how hungry I was when, when this thing dropped out of the sky in front of me. We've all been, you know, and we tell God, God, just this one thing, and then, but, but then we forget that God already sees tomorrow. I'll close with this verse. Jesus says in Matthew 7, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it by it are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Worship team, would you come? Can we just bow our heads for a moment? I didn't even know how to make a call here for this. Like, we've, we've all gone past His presence. We've all done it. We've all depended on our own protection. We've all depended on our own provision. We've all relied on our own power. Let's just be honest with God right now. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? And let's just come before God in prayer. Can we just make this real personal? I'm not going to ask you to come forward or stand up or make any kind of scene. Can we just make this real personal and, say, and, and think to yourself, God, has I, have I ever made a God out of my stuff? God, have I ever put something else before you and made it an idol? Have I ever, have I ever depended on something else to bring me luck? Have I ever depended on, and, and this could be anything. We, 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 we do it in so many different ways. We'll, we'll read a horoscope. We'll light a candle. We'll wear a certain color. We'll, we'll do a certain thing just to, to get some kind of favor with God when we have to just understand that all of that is an idol before God. All of that is our way to get to God. All of that, the name of that is religion. We have to get to the point where God will say, God, here I am. I may not be where, like where I'm at right now, but, but if this is where you have me, God, I'm not going to keep moving. I'm not going to keep running. I'm not going to keep depending on this and that. I'm going to stop right here under your cloud, under your fire. And I'm going to say, God, as long as you keep me here, I don't care if it's 40 days or 40 years. When you move, I'll move. Can I just ask you today, church, if you've never made that decision to... If you never chose to enter by the narrow gate, the word says the world will tell us there's so many different ways to God, there's so many ways to be good, there's so many ways, all this Oprahology that we hear. Jesus says there's a narrow gate. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. There, no one comes unto the Father but through me. Jesus says. Now you can go and study all you want. You can break down the word no one and, and you know knock yourself out with a thousand word studies. But to me, no one means no one comes to the Father but through me, Jesus said. 
So I just encourage you, if we can, family, if we can kind of all, let's all just stand together and let's. Just as a sign that I'm going to stop depending on my own ways. I have to, I have to stop, I have to start trusting in you, God. I have to stop going past the presence because when we step out of that presence, there's, there's, we're all on your own. If you want to make that decision today, you're welcome to do it. The word is not some magic prayer that makes it happen. It's faith. It's believing that Jesus said, I am the way. And believing, say, God, I believe that you made the way by dying for me on the cross. I believe that on that cross, all of my sin was nailed and, and, and sealed and forgotten. Past, present, and future. And because of that, I can come before your throne room of grace. Because of that, I can stand under your cloud, stand under your fire, and say, God, I'm ready. When you move, when you say move, I'll move. Church, I want nothing more than to raise a, a, a church of just incredible men and women of God that only move when God says move. I don't care about building big buildings. I don't care about increasing or this or that. I just want to see the body of Christ be the body of Christ. We're too normal. I wonder if God would be offended by how normal you and I are. We're supernatural. The Spirit of God lives in this bad boy. Like I should be doing supernatural things. Not not freaky things like you see in paranormal activity and you know stupid things that would scare people, not things that would make me weird, not things that would make me, you know, looking like a voodoo, whatever. I'm saying I should be taking steps of faith that in the natural look impossible, but with God is possible. Amen. Can we stop singing about that stuff if we're not gonna do it? <laughs> thank you Lord thank you Father God for your croissants thank you God for your drink thank you God for your provisions thank you God for your promises I pray them over your people today Lord God <laughs>